What's up, guys? I'm Matt. I'm Will. And I'm George. And this is the Carolina Way podcast. Bernard to the 40. Will they catch him? Inside the 20. Giovanni Bernard. Tar Heels are the national dadgum champions. The ceiling is the roof. That's what it's all about right there. That's on the floor. That's on your shirt. That's in your heart. Man, what? How great is it to have British Tar Heel George back a little bit different this time? We're going to talk a little bit football, talk a little bit about uh, Ceiling is the Roof podcast. It's going to be a real fun episode. George, we're just so happy to have you back. Thank you, mate. Um, I've been wanting to come on a while ever since we recorded in the summer. Um, If we can make this a regular thing throughout the year, I'm well up for it. So it sounds good to me. Yeah, this is American football, Matt. You, you got to know the audience here. <laughs> um, um, you, you guys wait. didn't tell me that. You just said football. I didn't realize it was American football. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Hey, I, I'm ready to talk that too. We had some big games <laughs> against Duke in the past few days. Yeah. Uh, when the British Tar Heel calls or DMs you in this manner, <laughs> you answer. <laughs> you, you answer quick. So you're welcome anytime you want to come on. Mate, appreciate it. Yeah, so today um, we can get right into it if you want to. To start, let's talk a little bit about the football game, Will and George. We always have our predictions. We do. Will, we made some predictions at the beginning uh, on last Thursday before the game and said uh, this game, I said it wasn't going to be a high-scoring game. Will, you said you're going to go high-scoring for sure. Well, dang it, it was absolutely a high-scoring game, maybe the most high-scoring game of Saturday, it was a crazy game. Absolutely. I just had too much faith that the offense was going to get clicking at some point. I thought that even though my score prediction didn't show it, I I thought it would be a close game. And in the second half, we kind of blew away a little bit. I think we showed it again the previous week against a lesser opponent with Georgia State that they couldn't really keep up with us for the full four quarters um, after a maybe tough – first half and it was kind of the same thing here we start off very quick had the great sports center number four top 10 play with josh downs in the end zone that was so fun we're off and early um off and going early we had the run game started going and i'm, I'm not just talking sam Howell, i'm talking ty chandler good lord um that was all great to see and that was pretty consistent throughout the game um and then we had a you know the little miscue before halftime or else uh, the game would have been finished probably a little bit sooner than it ended up being with the uh end zone interception but you know the one thing that we had hit on last week was um, going to these games you know we have so many different viewpoints perspectives of the game so I want to ask y'all two first before we get going here what was how early did you get to the game Matt to be front row in the student section what was the environment like throughout the game in British Tar Hill tell me how your nerves were feeling before the game and if they were anything like mine was yeah so we got to the game, me and my friend Matthew uh, and a couple others got to the gates at 3 o'clock. So game starts at 7.30, gates open at 5.30. We sit in line for about two and a half hours. Luckily, the weather wasn't horrible, um, not too hot. Sat there, spoke, uh, talked for a little while. And, yeah, it wasn't too bad. I, I will say, like, I've been in line for basketball games and other football games for – a very long time, longer than two and a half hours. So I wasn't too disappointed. 
uh, not a lot of students there ended up front row, perfect seats. But it, it definitely doesn't compare to uh, George having to stay up until dang 3 a.m. to watch a football game. Yeah, it was quite something. Mate, honestly, your life, your Instagram at the moment, like a couple of weeks ago, I messaged you, you were at, you went to the game away. I'm like, dude, is so lucky. Like, look at his life. Then you were at a Luke Combs concert and I was well jealous. Now you're front row student section. I'm like, Matt's life. Like, I want that <laughs> life. Now you're living the dream, mate. No. Um, so yeah, obviously my game, the game over here at 12.30, it started. Um, so just gone midnight. Um, so I know you guys, everyone's really excited about having the evening games. I really miss the noon games because it's a lot better uh, start time for me. Um, yeah, it was late, but I was excited. Um, I thought it was a real good game. Obviously, I felt Georgia State a week before that that was a kind of a given. That was a win. Um, obviously, this game was going to be more of a challenge. I was just hoping to see Sam Howell turn up. The boy did turn up. And um, yeah, it was good. George, if I have any pool with Carolina athletics, I promise you when you come back to North Carolina and you will come back to North Carolina, <laughs> we will go to a Luke Combs concert as, oh, long, as, yes. it, as long as he's performing. And yes. somehow I'm getting you in that student section one way or another. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I will steal some students ID. I'll do whatever I've got to do. Oh, we'll I'll do use, it. I'll use my British accent. Last time I was in Chapel Hill, I used my British accent and it got me plenty. So we're fine. <laughs> We are getting it done. <laughs> and, and Matt, let's not forget, too, we've got some pool because we were we led the charge, I would like to think, of getting BDOT to host Slate Night with Hubert Davis in HD. Um, I feel like we kind of helped bring that along a little bit, too. And we're we're here to help bring you to UNC. And I don't know. I don't have any Luke Combs connection. So I, I'm going to have to lean, with, lean on you for that one. Um, but I, I mean, I'd love to see Georgia's reaction to being at Keenan and the Dean Dome, too, for that manner. Oh man, I'm ex I'm excited. I'm excited for that. That day will come. I wanted it to be this season, um, but COVID might put that on hold. But we're gonna see. We'll see. Um, will, what was your perspective? I know you're sitting. I mean, you have great seats yourself. Definitely a different perspective from the student section. How was it uh, this week? I had a great time. The area around me, they were pretty uh, excited for the game. There was it was packed all around me too, and that it was pretty hot. I was sweating throughout the first quarter. Let's not get that wrong. Like it was, it was a little toasty out there, but for my perspective, instead of having the students standing on the bleachers, I had in front of me two rows in front, a mom that I was kind of short. She was standing on the seats. Um, and then there was another girl to my left that was standing on the actual very small and thin, as you know, armrests just to get higher up and see the game, which was absolutely fantastic. I loved it. They were, they, she turned around and said, can you see? And I was like, absolutely. You're good. Don't worry. Uh, so it was a little bit different vibe for where I am at. And of course, um, I'm basically seated or standing right in front of where the defensive unit is kind of um, getting their information, relaxing in between drives going out into the field and whatnot. So I really like seeing a little bit more of the players' interaction. And, of course, whenever they get the turnover belt, they come over and they, I mean, they're shining it and hanging it right in front of me. So a couple things with that real quick before we can also get into the game was uh, Deami Brown. I don't know about if you saw that he was there, George, or I did Matt, see that. Yeah, might, yeah, yeah. Yeah, love that he was there because he had just had, just had a game on Thursday night um in a you know prime time setting 
against the Giants and they were able to win. And he made a couple of good grabs in the game. Um, but then he was there this weekend to see his brother, of course, score the 75-yard touchdown too. But he was I was impressed at how involved he was on the sidelines. It was like he was another coach for uh, for our team. Like he was actually coaching up those guys. He's coming over and speaking to guys like Tony Grimes and Conley on defense too, uh, which I thought was, you know, only could help our team with the morale and everything, knowing that this guy's now in the NFL and has time to come back and see our game, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, on third downs, Brian Anderson, even though he, I don't think he played, he was banging some metal chairs together. He had the Gatorade bottles spraying them. He even went into the coolers and was pulling out red Gatorades and was pointing to people in the stands and was like, you want one? You want one? And was oh, wow. throwing them out to people just to get people even louder. And <laughs> I mean, it worked. There was a couple of false starts. And uh, I think it's a little bit to do with Brian Anderson getting people some Gatorades during the game. Yeah, I keep saying that what Mac is building – in the football realm at Carolina reminds me a lot of what Dean and Roy have built for basketball, that family atmosphere, alumni coming back. You had Akeem Nix back, De'Ami Brown on the sideline. Um, last week you had Lawrence Taylor back. You don't often see uh, big time alumni coming back for football games. It's just not normal. But since Mac Brown came back, that family atmosphere is being built week by week. And it's really, it, it makes it a lot more exciting to see these guys even like I never got to see Lawrence Taylor obviously live, but you hear about him, you know about some of these guys. So that's a really exciting aspect. And Will, if you got to see the turnover uh, belt, then you got to be seeing Jaquarius Conley all the time at this point. I absolutely do. And it was kind of crazy too, because last week they actually had to bandage his arm basically from the forearm all the way up to the hand. And it was like a boxing glove. He couldn't even use it. And then this week seeing that interception, uh, he's made a lot of improvement. I'm still sure playing with some pain, but that was an incredible catch to see and, you know, kind of see everyone come over to him on the sideline. I mean, the whole team at some point or another came up and was patting him on the helmet and giving him some love and everything, which, I mean, love to see that. The, um, the commentators made a reference to Yami Brown, obviously being there and was literally, and they both highlighted um, how hyped he was, how much like, obviously he just wants to be back in college who wouldn't want to be back at unc who wouldn't want to be back at college and the commentators were saying like who wouldn't want to come back here so that was quite nice obviously i got to hear all the commentary so yeah that was good and yeah, he wanted to be oh it's good and one more to add on that and then please continue but the week previous for georgia state the for each game george on the home sideline basically when the game starts the basketball team will come across the um home sideline and then go basically sit a little further back in the student section, a little bit more chill spot for them instead of having to be right in the middle of people like Matt going crazy. <laughs> um, and, but last week, Kobe White casually was with the team and, you know, he's been practicing with them some. But yeah, he, he joined the team for the game and, you know, everyone went wild to see that too. Nice. Yeah, back to, uh, and the Diami, like George said, his excitement to see his little brother, Choffrey, get his first – I think his first touchdown at Carolina. Big-time play. We all know he's going to be big-time at Carolina, um, just young right now. That had to be awesome. And then in terms of uh, the basketball team, Will, I wanted to add on a, one of my favorite memories at a football game dealing with the basketball team. Cole Anthony, who, you know, didn't get too many opportunities to have big-time moments at Carolina just because he was there a short time and injured, he actually did the push-ups 
uh, one game for every time Carolina scores, the cheerleaders do the push-ups. And Cole Anthony got up on the board and did the push-ups and everybody in the student section counted. So that's one of my favorite memories of the basketball team at a football game. So ex- explain that. The cheerleaders do push-ups every touchdown. Yeah. So say, like, we scored 59 points uh, the other day. push-ups. Yeah, somebody, whoever does those last push-ups has to do 59. When you score the first touchdown, they do seven, then somebody else does 14, and then on and on. So uh, we actually had a problem last week where a guy, like, I think his hands were slippery. We'll say his hands were slippery. He actually couldn't finish it because we were scoring so many points. And he got booed. I mean, he got got basically booed off the stage. And, I mean, it's very hard, too, stability-wise, because the cheerleaders, you're on a – I guess basically a um, painted platform. So you're being held up in the air six feet up at least, if not higher with their arms extended. So who knows, maybe even like eight feet up in the air on this platform that's only long enough for your body to do push-ups. And you got the students. I mean, it's right in front of the student section, George. So once you start the push-ups, the students are counting. So you got to keep yeah. up with the students and they're not going to be counting one, two, no, they go <laughs> one, two. I, I mean, they're going. So you have to really fly through it. And if you have any problems, like Matt said, <laughs> you're in trouble because then you'll get booze. <laughs> so hang on a second. So I thought it was like they were just doing it on the field push-ups. So some, they're holding cheerlead, cheerleaders are holding other cheerleaders up and they're doing push-ups on a platform that they're holding up. Yep. That sounds, yes. in, that's like some CrossFit. Like that's insane. <laughs> It is not it is. easy. Like, no way is that easy. I could barely do five, let alone 59. <laughs> Bloody hell. In like, front of everybody. <laughs> in front of everybody counting too. Like the pressure of just like trying to do a push-up in front of everybody is ridiculous. Wow. On top of already, you know, holding up cheerleaders and doing what else, who knows what else the whole day too. <laughs> just are, to add on They anything. are very, very talented. Very talented. Yeah, I never want to hear anybody say cheerleading is not a sport after that. At Carolina, cheerleading oh, yeah. is a very hard sport. Top top three at, my, at this point. <laughs> okay. we, did, um, we did have a great game, though. We absolutely balled out. There's really not much to say. We did have a, a little lapse in the second quarter where we gave up some points. Defense couldn't seem to stop. Definitely the secondary couldn't seem to stop their receivers. But in the second half, Offense came out. Sam was Sam. Um, I think he was player of the game. Josh Downs could easily be player of the game. But it was a really fun game to keep up with. I've, I've got a question for you, boys. Sam Howell, is he a throwing quarterback or a running quarterback? <laughs> Boy, is he? Will, I'll let you answer that. <laughs> and I'm not going to play around. He's a throwing quarterback. I talked to one of my friends and mentioned this last week. If he likes to run so much, boy, do we have a position for him. I mean, I, we can set him up. I, I'm just not as much of a fan of him running. And But it's kind of interesting because last year for Clemson, Trevor Lawrence, you know, going into the NFL at number one pick, no doubt, they had a lot of designated QB run plays for him, which I thought was a little bit, um, nonsensical to have him doing that, but it kind of worked. And he had that explosive run. You at least remember probably Matt against Ohio state in the playoffs uh, two years ago. And that's something that Sam has never really had a part of his game. But I think that not having the designated runs aspect, but more of getting him out of the pocket with the O line that may or not, not be something that you can trust 
in other games is something that I would like to see. But yeah, no, I got him as a throwing quarterback for this throws to Josh Downs down the field. I won't answer it, but I will give you a stat, and maybe that'll answer it. <laughs> I will say this. There's only two quarterbacks since 2004 who have thrown for 300 yards and rushed for 100 yards two games in a row, and the other one is Lamar Jackson. And Ooh. a lot of people love to say Lamar is a big-time runner compared to a passer. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. All I'm saying is if, if I'm an NFL scout, I'm loving every part of it both ways. 100%. Um, he, yeah, do you think he's gonna? I, I don't want to, I want to enjoy him while he's here, but do you think he's declaring this year? Absolutely, he has to, hasn't I think, he? I think Matt Brown has even said, come out and said that he's going pro, so I, that's kind of interesting too. But yeah. get ready for Drake May, it's, it's not gonna be too yeah. much of a let off, yeah. Big Drake May fans on the Carolina Way podcast, you haven't seen much of him yet. He came on Georgia State game, didn't he? Uh, yeah, um, but it was only he didn't even get to throw. I think he came out to run the ball a couple times late. Yeah. Um, the only time we've seen him was the spring game, uh, okay. just a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got um, to watch him in high school. So that's that's the one time I've seen him. But yeah. nice, nice. No, yeah. I'm, I'm obviously we're hearing great things about him. So yeah, exciting. Fun thing about uh, building an actual program instead of just kind of being good for one year is you actually get to look forward to who's like not even getting a play yet. And that's one difference with like before Mac Brown, it was kind of like if you had one good year, it was like, man, we better enjoy it because next year definitely isn't going to be as good. But it seems like with Mac Brown, you always have the next year to look forward to also so far. I did see something today um, where – who said it? Someone I follow on Twitter um, said uh, Josh Downs, greatest wide receiver in the ACC. I, I think that is 100% accurate. I believe so. He, he leads the country in receiving yards so far. So, um, and I think on a bunch of scouting reports and, um, and whatnot, breakdowns of the games, they have him as the best receiver after this past weekend. So, I, I don't think that's much of a stretch at all. Um, I'm super excited. Um, one selfish reason is I have one uh, American football UNC jersey, and it's number 11. So, I'm just saying I'm the biggest Josh Downs fan. <laughs> So I need to basically follow him for the rest of the season, everything he does. Um, but no, I think he was that catch, like you said, number four in the sports center. Oh, my days. Like, oh, my days. I was there. I think that would have been around gone 1 a.m. Because uh, it was, was it first quarter or second quarter? It was first quarter. First quarter. So early enough, I guess. Early enough. Early enough. I was still awake by that point. <laughs> um, so... No, it was unbelievable. Something about Josh Downs. I just watched a highlight, actually, before we started recording. Did you see what happened to him in the third with a late, late, late hit? Like, he was in the middle of the logo, and the ball was completely way off, and it was a horrible, horrible hit. I'll send it to you guys. Um, oh, it's horrific. Uh, it, it didn't look like a fair hit. Like I said, I'm not an American football expert at all. But that didn't look like that was a legal play at all. Yeah, there were a couple of those situations uh, from Virginia. You know, Virginia before the game was was talking a little bit of junk. Uh, we actually talked about this before or last week. Um, you know, yeah, said we couldn't keep up physicality, this, that, and the other. What's funny about that is we ended up wearing them down and beating them, but that's a whole different thing. I will say there was one late hit, and I saw it clear as day because I was, it was right down 
near the student section where Sam was wrapped up and they, they blew the whistle and they were turning his leg in a very non-football way. Like it looked pretty dang bad, but not only that, a player comes in late and hits Sam way after the whistle and, and they got flagged for that. But there was a few of those things where it's like, okay, Virginia, uh, we understand you hate us, but let's, let's, let's draw the line at some point. I've just said, I've just said, I was about to say, don't get Nat started on the, um, on Virginia and playing by the rules because <laughs> the, the fans are getting pretty restless too with Virginia going down with, uh, cramps and injuries that there was getting to be where it was booze every time they went down to slow the game down because unlike with with the uh, English football if someone goes down you have to stop it so a little bit of that is some gamesmanship that um, a lot of fans I think in Keenan Stadium thought was happening do you um do you boys follow rugby I don't it's know big, much about it not, but I've watched it it's not big in America at all, so it's, it's fair to say no. But obviously, rugby is a massive sport in the rest of the world. Um, and a really amazing rule that they have, and this is a, these guys are built, and it is a really intense sport. When someone gets down injured, when they're injured, they're really injured. Like, we know that because these boys are built um, like a brick shithouse, as we would say. But they, um, the physio would come onto the pitch and deal with the player and the game just continues so oh, wow. they pl they play and there's like it's intense and they're playing there's running around it's really awkward if they run on them but they continue the physio on there i would love them to bring that to our english football because that would stop a lot of this play acting time wasting and everything uh, we've said this for years with our football uh being able to do that um but yeah they do that in rugby and that would stop all of that um uh I guess the different the well, it's not really a difficulty actually because obviously it's the same as in rugby and American football. Offside is the same. Um, so the player, even though he just basically doesn't count while he's laying down injured on the floor, um, so that would that would change the game. But yeah, check out some rugby highlights for that. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty good. Yeah, and some could argue that rugby is even more intense. So I don't think it would be a crazy idea to say for American football to do that as long as sometimes I guess I don't know how rugby lines up or anything but obviously if a man's in the middle of the line of scrimmage you can't do it but yeah if you're way off if it's a 15-yard gain and he's way back yeah I mean play that dang game um I obviously being English but a massive fan of American sports the amount of times I've had to debate English people about rugby and American football so American football is is obviously it's huge in America it's your biggest sport in England, it's not as big, nowhere near compared to all of our other sports, compared to rugby, etc. Now, people say their argument is, oh, they're not tough American football. They have to wear pads. They have to wear helmets. Rugby, we don't wear anything. Like, we're just T-shirts and shorts. Um, but obviously, and the hits are tough in rugby, but they're not as intense as they are in American football because you guys are going kind of straight at each other. Um, I think if you took pads away from American football, it changes the game completely. So, but that's an argument which happens a lot when, especially when Super Bowl's around and everyone's like, let's go to watch the Super Bowl. And that's the, that's the argument. It's like, yeah, but it's not rugby though, is it? Um, it's quite interesting. If you look in the, uh, there's a few players who have come through, maybe uh, like some Samoan players um, who are in the NFL who actually played rugby. There's a lad who's, I forgot he signed, it was a news article on him the other day. 
and he's a Samoan lad. He's only played American football for like two, three years, and he's in the NFL um, because of he just took all of the skills he's learned from rugby, applied it to American football, and has got in the NFL. So that's how non-Americans, I believe, that is the main way non-Americans get into the NFL. And Matt, if I'm not mistaken, a few years ago, UNC had a, and this is a pretty popular route too, is having punters or kickers that did rugby come in and play. And UNC had a Australian, uh, someone that had played rugby punter a few years ago, right? That is right. Cannot right? remember his name. I know he was older though. He was like yeah. 28 years old. Yeah. yeah. Hey, that's not old boys. <laughs> well, not old, but old. 28, 28 undergrad in Carolina. <laughs> You're right. Definitely not old. <laughs> I, um, I've always wondered what it'd be like to be a kicker. Because obviously I grew up playing football and I can, like, we can we can kick a football quite well. I'd love to see, obviously it's completely different, the pressure and everything coming on for that moment. Um, yeah, really, really quite, it'd be quite interesting to see if it would translate. I have a uh, big, I'm not going to say dislike of kickers, but I'm a strong believer in you have not the easiest job, but the safest job on the field. And I think you have to get that job done. Uh, because you're not getting absolutely ran over like a lot of these guys. But the pressure, the the mental stability, like it's got to be insane to have to do that. I know, um, I know, Will, you're a big football fan. I don't know if you are, Matt, as well. But there was a, um, there was a big pressure shot in yesterday's game, which was uh, West Ham. Mr. Um, Noble. Mr. Noble. And basically a penalty in the last minute. And he was a sub, hasn't played many games. And he bet it was last kick of the game. He hasn't played. It was like the 95th minute, well into stoppage time. And he just came on for the penalty. And so many people went mad at it because um, he's not warmed up. He came on completely cold and he came and he missed the penalty, actually, which was the equalizer. Um, uh, so that was so much pressure um, coming on solely just to do that. But like you say, kickers have to do that all game long. They literally come on to do one thing. Yeah. Um, I remember watching a YouTube video years ago. It was an NFL kickers training program. It was him. He was hilarious. And he's like, I kick a ball for a few hours. I do some weights. I kick a ball for a few more hours. And then I go home. And that's literally his training program. Um, it was, yeah, mental. I'll never forget. Uh, I went to a game when I was younger, maybe like 12 years old, a Carolina game. And I don't remember. It might have been Miami. There's this – our kicker is sitting on the sideline all game kicking, kicking, like kicking into a net. That's what they do. They just kick mm -hmm. into these nets. And I'm talking about three straight hours he's practicing kicking into this net. And then the first time he goes out there, fourth quarter to win the game, he absolutely misses the kick. And I'm like, dude, you've been sitting over there for three hours kicking into this net. <laughs> you got to make this kick. But also, like you said, I mean, it's just it's just a lot of pressure. So but, much pressure. Yes, uh, it's definitely an interesting position. Um, I had a friend that was a high school kicker, and and it's not an easy job by any means. Like at that at that level, maybe, but like once you get to college and definitely NFL, I mean, you're expecting the NFL to hit a sixty yard field goal. So it's just insane. Matt, I know you weren't talking about the great Nick Weiler that played at UNC that hit the game winner against uh, Florida State. Now, no, I don't think it was Nick Weiler. Nick Weiler didn't let me down many times, but <laughs> if he did, he, he uh, Florida State made up for all of it. But uh, kind of getting into just the physicality of it all, 
since we're both so close to the field, we're able to kind of size ourselves up with the football players out there. And let me tell you, um, Javari Ritzy is huge. And as an O-lineman, having to just wait for the snap of the ball and not flinch at all, just for Javari Ritzy to come at you like that must be terrifying. Yeah, I was shocked with how huge he was. Like, I, I, pointed, I was with uh, Matthew. I know you know him, Will. Um, I pointed, I'm like, look at this guy. Like, this guy is just absolutely huge. I would be scared to death if I was going against him on that field. Definitely an NFL-type uh, player. I mean, he has the body already. Some guys come in, like Tony Grimes comes in and is a small guy and then builds his way up to NFL-level physicality. Well, Javari Ritzy definitely came in ready for NFL. And some of those guys, after the game, jumped up. George, this is going to tear you up because it tore me up, too. I got a picture of it. But after the game and after they seen the alma mater in front of the student section, they run up and um, do a little jump up on the student section area, I guess you can call it. Um, and two players were right in between Matt when they did that the other day. I uh, obviously was watching it back, and I was like, I know that guy. Um, recorded it, sent it to you guys, saying that we have an international superstar. So uh, you were seen worldwide, Matt, um, like hanging out with the, hanging out with the players. Yeah, when George sent that to me today, I was like, oh man, that's that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> I always love going back like after the game and seeing because I was getting pictures during the game from family and friends, like pictures of me on TV, and they're like, oh man, you're on there. Um, I always love going back and looking at all those. It's always fun to see. And I know they do it actually twice, Will. They do it between third and fourth quarter. There's no more exciting time. Uh, George, you'll find this out when you get to go to a game between the third and fourth quarter when everybody's holding fours up. That's our, like, fourth quarter excitement thing. And then they also do it, like you said, Will, after the game. I um I really did like your uh, Instagram. Obviously, you have a photo of you as a kid at the game. That was pretty cool as well. Same space. That's That's pretty epic, that is. Yeah, I, uh, I do not know how at the age of 12 years old, I snuck into front row of the student section. I will say <laughs> the student section back then was nowhere as good as the student section is today. Uh, wasn't filled up. If you even look behind me, there were state fans in our student section. That would never happen today. Wow. Um, at least they wouldn't wear state gear if they were in student section. Um, but that is the game that Gio Bernard ran it's an infamous game in history where he ran the game-winning uh, touchdown back. Yeah, I, I found that picture. Well, when I saw the picture of me from Saturday night, it reminded me of the other pictures. I had to go back and find that one. And 10 years apart, so that was really cool to see. George, you got to hear from you. What do you think of the retro jerseys that we wore the other day? And should that become our permanent home jerseys? Some are saying it. Oh, they were very nice. Very, very nice to jerseys. Um, yeah, uh, I definitely, I love a retro jersey. Um, I'm not going to show the camera around because I'll mess up the audio, but I have lots and lots of, I collect retro jerseys, um, some basketball ones here, loads of football ones over there. I'll show you after the podcast. Um, so I love a retro jersey, 100%. But I want to talk to you about something else to do with jerseys. And I'm going to talk about the team in Durham. And did you see how they announced their jersey for for the game? I swear I've seen that before, though, somewhere. I swear I've seen that happen. The exact freaking same thing they decided to do. That creative team is the laziest creative team I've ever heard of, seen. 
Um, what do you guys think about that? George, I'm so glad that you saw it. What do you mean? <laughs> did we see it? <laughs> um, real quick, my my sister went to App State where they copied the yep. video from. So yeah. I've been on the App State following them for, I guess, 10, 15 years now. So I, I've been seeing all these videos. And all I'll say is this week, I think we might see Duke uniforms in a diner as their uh, showcase. <laughs> I thought that was absolutely insane. Listen, Duke is known as the premier I might make some Carolina some Carolina people mad here, but academically, Duke's pretty high up. But they're private and everything else. I, I hate to give them credit in anything, but they are. But for them, for them to straight up just copy App State and not even try to change it up, like, you know, it's always that joke of, hey, can I copy your homework? And then it's the exact same thing. Like, Duke, if you're going to do that, you have to mix it up. Also, you had to know it was going to be seen. Like App State is going to call you out. App State is known. Their barstool and their regular account is known to be one of the best uh, accounts on Twitter. It, it was amazing, but I also don't expect anything less from the and Blue Devils. One other thing, what river? Uh, <laughs> I mean, App State, like that makes sense yeah, with yeah. the mountains and everything up there. But here, like, are you going in like the Eno River? Or, like what's going on there? Like it just did not make sense. Like what if you, yeah, what if you're walking in the woods, yeah, walking down in the woods or something, and you see that happening? I'm turning back quick. (laughs) For sure. They're also very horrible. They're so bad that we got a 12 o'clock game against them. (laughs) Let's be real. Um, let's we'll let's end it on maybe just throwing out some numbers that we threw out last week. Uh, Let's end the football conversation with that if you want to. So you guessed 42-38 as the final score. I guessed 31-27. I didn't believe we would be able to score. You said you felt like we would. You were you won this one, I will say. Um, and then we both – I don't know how we – we both didn't say they would cover the spread, but they easily covered the spread. So weren't all, all the way correct, but you were definitely closer. I mean, oddly enough, we scored 59 points in back-to-back weeks. Uh, that's very impressive. Yeah. I would I'm say gonna... our offensive flaws are, are definitely uh, looking better. I'll throw a spanner in the works, though, and not to be a Debbie Downer, as we would say, but obviously we scored all those points, but we also let in so many of those points. So what does that say? Like, of course, like, you score more points than the other team. It's great, but that is a little bit concerning how many points for letting in 39 points is quite, quite something. It's amazing. The storylines of this season, because we come into the season saying we got Heisman, how he's going to, you know, put up all these points. And then you go into Virginia tech and we don't put up any points, but our defense looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then, so we're like, okay, well maybe our offense isn't going to be that great this year. Defense is going to really lead us. And then you go into two straight games to score 59 but you give up too many points to Georgia State, in my opinion, and way too many points to UVA. So it's like, can we just get both sides of the ball to play their best at the same time? Is Heisman Howell still a possibility? You know, the only reason I would say it is, and Will, I'll let you comment on this. I don't think there's anybody that's really out, like looking outstanding so far. Nobody, there's no Lamar Jackson or or, you know, all-time great Johnny Manziel's or anything. So he definitely has a chance. His, ter- his interception thing is just 
is what's killing him. Those three interceptions in that first game really hurt him. And, um, I mean, we're going to have to get some help from some at least two Virginia Tech losses because I don't think there's a chance that he could win it not being in the ACC championship game. And, of course, then probably like having a huge performance against Clemson as well in that setting because besides that, from here on out, you also have to have like the exposure too. So therefore it's kind of easy just to always default to a non-defensive um, player, but more of like quarterback, receiver, uh, running back. So therefore like a little easier for Clemson and um, Alabama to be getting it than Sam Howell. So I think it, the odds are definitely stacked up against them. But yeah, kind of like what you said, Matt, it's kind of interesting that there's not really been anyone has been really – showcase so far this season yeah. uh, but go back to Virginia real quick uh, on the defense I mean there's still some learning opportunities because we we hear about how great Tony Grimes was is and everything and he had even let in a touchdown right before halftime so I think some of these maybe learning experiences like that early on I think I think that we will definitely make some improvements just because of how young we are and um, it's nice to like be shown some of your weaknesses earlier in the year too. So I think the defense will definitely continue to come along. Now, if we want to move on to basketball, because it is almost that time, guys, like it's crazy how fast it has come along. Um, we have late night in HD soon, but George, we mostly wanted to get your opinion on um, – Tyler, well, I can't even think Tyler Nickel. Tyler Nickel, yeah, yeah. Okay, so what did you think about getting him big time get? And, uh, yeah, when you heard the news, what were your thoughts? So, I've said before, I don't follow much high school basketball. One, because it's quite difficult to. Also, high school basketball, um, the standard, depending on where they play, like you see highlights. Okay, a high school mixtape is the biggest, most deceiving thing of all time. Um like no shade thrown at him, but Seventh Woods had one of the greatest high school mixtapes of all time. And Seventh Woods was great, national champion, but he wasn't what his high school mixtape said he was. Um, so I've watched his mixtapes, I've watched his highlights. One thing I did like is, uh, is Tyler Nickel the next uh, Dougie McDermott? So that's quite interesting. Like Dougie McBuckets was an amazing player in college. So that's quite a uh, comparison. He's I want to say six eight, uh, six eight forward. Um, so and he's a sh and he and he can shoot from what I can see. So Coach Davis seems to be like we're going to see this year the amount of three pointers. Someone needs to find a stat the amount of three pointers we've put up over the past few seasons compared to what's going to happen this season. Because I imagine we're probably going to put up the same amount of three pointers this season as we have done for the past three seasons altogether. Um, that's my prediction um, for the season coming. Um, so Tyler Nickel looks like he can shoot as well, so he'll be used for that. Also happy for the kid, really, because um, first Division One uh, athlete out of that school, out of his high school. I watched his announcement. He's the first D1 player from that school ever to go, the first one ever go D1. Um, I think he was the first one, I think, uh, like in Harrisburg. Harrisburg, Virginia, I think he's from. Um, like, first kid to go. Uh, number one uh, to go to a D1 so I'm excited for him but like I say I haven't seen any of his games so I can't say exactly I've, I've seen his mixtapes but that is the most deceiving thing on planet earth 
That's spoken like a true coach, George. I love it. I absolutely <laughs> love it. Okay. Because I am on the same page. Like, yeah, I'm glad we have them. I'm glad we got them, but obviously we want to see what these guys do on a college level um, because uh, you just can't tell off of, you know, these highlight tapes. Um, yeah. I love the Doug McDermott. I mean, I would love for him to become Doug McDermott. I think what I like most, and I think I've said this is that he's most likely a three to four year player. And even on your podcast, most of the guys that you talk to are were stayed three or four years because they leave a legacy at Carolina. And I want somebody that's going to leave a legacy. And it seems like almost everybody in that upcoming uh, recruiting class are three to four year players. Yeah, like uh, we were I think we had the we had the best recruiting class in the nation for like a few hours and then Kentucky got it. Um, so with our guys, we had it for a few hours. Um, according to Tipton edits, and then um, we then uh, we lost it to Kentucky. Um, I think Derek Lively announces tonight, doesn't he? I'm not really looking forward to it. In all yeah. honesty, I don't see him. Like I know we're in the shout, but it's not. I've looked at some of the crystal balls. It's likely he's going to the team in Durham. Um, so yeah, but. Um, I think Coach Davis has done fantastic with his recruiting class. I think he's, I've said it before, I've said it many times, I think he shut a lot of people up because a lot of people at first were like, why have we gone for Coach Davis, an assistant coach? Why can't we get all these big names? We're Carolina. But we've done it our way, which is the Carolina way. And he's 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 done awesome. He's done a fantastic, he's had a fantastic first off season. Nothing could have gone better um, for him, how he's done. So now let's just see how it happens on the court. In, a month, just over a month now. 50 days, yeah. 50 days, actually. That's so, yeah, because Tyler Hansborough. Tyler Hansborough, yeah, yeah, yeah. 50 days, the Carolina, they posted it today. So, yeah, 50 days till first game. Yeah, I'm very say- excited as well. Um, and that kind of what you had hit on too, George, is that I definitely trust whatever Hubert Davis is going to be doing. And naturally, we would love to have some more shooters to uh, spread the court out a little bit more too. So, I, I haven't really watched any of the mixtapes, you know, that are out about him and stuff just because you can't give it so much about it. Like you said, like Seventh Woods at UNC, he had more Instagram followers than everyone else on the team combined just because of what he did in middle school, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, but, you know, we kind of touched on it last week with this interview and he, he says all the right stuff too. And I kind of like the way that UNC re- had recruited him too is not really showing him videos of what other players had done at UNC that he'd be compared to, but more of showing them that he's his own player and kind of can create his own mold at UNC. Um, and then it's something I'd love to see too. And, um, you know, the number one recruiting class, that type of stuff, you know, it's, it's nice to have, but it's also even better when other schools like at Kentucky will get it. And then we beat them and say, Oh, we sp- supposedly had a worse recruiting class and then we consistently beat you. So uh, I'm not too concerned about that at all, more so that we're just getting these recruits and it seems like we have a great class that's going to be coming in. Okay, I'm going to say something now and you need to remember this episode. Not this season, but next season, we're going to be national champions. If Caleb Love stays, RJ Davis stays and Baycott is a senior. If we can keep all of those guys, and I'm asking a lot for Coach Davis to get a championship in his second year. I know that. But um, Coach did it, didn't he? Coach Williams did it. He did it. Oh, yeah. So um, 
with a number one recruit, like with a real good recruiting class coming in, if we keep Caleb, if we keep RJ, if we keep Kerwin, I think we'll keep RJ and Kerwin hands down. It's Mondo or Caleb, Caleb um, who potentially could leave early. Um, I'm saying national champion, and we'll look back on this and we're like, why didn't we put money on it? Um, so, yeah. I love that. And I think that is literally so, I think, not this year, but the year after, like you said, is the closest and the most confident to I'll be of coming close to a championship than I've been since 2017. Maybe 2018 was another one of those years. But we are going to be so deep. Even if Caleb Love was to leave, the amount of talent we're going to have, Puff Johnson will still be here. And then they say the freshmen this year, Styles um, and Dunn, are, are really hard workers and are going to be really good. So we'll we will literally be like twelve deep that year, even if Caleb Love leaves. I don't know much about Styles or Dunn. Um, I need to do more research. Um, but I was chatting to Gerard Williams, and I said to him, "Who is?" Because uh, I always joke with the players, "Who is Coach Williams' golden child?" And I said with Gerard because he's always with the players and working out with the guys before he went off to Japan. I said, "Who is um, the golden child of Coach Davis?" And he said, "Styles." So, uh, yeah, so Coach Davis really rates him as well. Um, yeah, they seem professional. They seem professional, um, which I, I like to see. Um, I like to see that in a player, um, someone who means business kind of thing. Caleb Love means business. I get that vibe from him kind of thing. Um, there's nothing wrong with being a, a jokester and joking around and being a fool. Like, that's okay. But there's players who are, like, on a mission. And I think um, we've got quite a few of those guys. So I'm, I'm well excited. I just wish basketball season was here now. I know we're trying to enjoy football season, but like, I can't wait. Mostly the ones that are golden childs are, or children are the hardest workers too. So that probably says more about styles than anything. Um, yeah, if, true. if he's already come in and, and won Hubert Davis over, uh, that says a lot about him. And, and every time I see highlights from practice, and once again, it's just highlights, but it seems like he's out there working and, and he already has the body to compete. So it's going to be really exciting to see them at late night in HD and, and just when the season starts. Are you boys going to late night? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Nice. Oh, I'm so jealous. I'll be, stream, I'll, be, I'll be streaming it. I'll be streaming it. I'll find a stream somehow. Some people said they're going to FaceTime me in. I'm like, I don't want to FaceTime. I want to, I'm going to find a stream. So I bet it will be on ACC Network. It'll be on ACC Network. It's got to be. It's got to be. Yeah um which obviously i've got all of that so um yeah like I, i'm not good i can't complain because i have i have probably um better access um to games than actually american fans do um because i literally get every single game and i can watch every game like for example i just i have on demand for every game as well so like today i could just went back and watched a football game um i can watch no matter what unc game it is i will be able to watch it um, live or on demand, so I literally can't complain. Wow, it's a nice setup. Ah, uh, mate, Europe—they's really nice, and it cost me thirteen dollars a month. No yes, way. Swear down. I've got, I've got um, American football, college football, college basketball, men's soccer, women's soccer, softball. Um, I think some X Games stuff. Um, but I can watch any of those uh, live, and I mean like anything. Like I remember like. Um, looking at like 
I'm, I'm doing like Kennesaw State, like that small. I could watch their live games, okay? No shade for the Kennesaw, but um, I could watch those games as well as um, then on demand. So I can't complain at all. So I hope the late night is going to be on ACC. George, you said I'm living the life. Dude, I mean, it sounds like you're living the life. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's, yeah, but it's not there though, is it? I'm not there. I'm not feeling it. I can tweet as much as I want and Instagram as much as I want about the game, but I, I don't. Oh, I don't actually get the feel being inside the Dean Dome. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm excited. Basketball season, I'm excited. 50 days, can't wait. Will, did you have, or did either of y'all have any more uh, basketball things? Because I really want to get into uh, Silliness, the Roof podcast, and all that. Let's get into uh, it. Yeah, I'm trying to think of any more basketball things. I don't think so. Um, I'm just excited. I've made my prediction for two years' time. Um, yeah. Hey, get the tattoo. Oh. Have we seen that before? <laughs> get a tattoo. Seen that? Oh, oh, oh as in like somebody, those... someone who gets a tattoo before it's even happened. <laughs> yeah, I'm not that yes. confident. I'm not that confident. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put like, I'll put like ten dollars on a bet, but that's probably it. Yeah, I'm not going to tattoo uh, the uh, 2023 national champions. Um, nah. <laughs> Will's pressure and put your money where your mouth is. <laughs> we'll get a good foamy going for it. <laughs> but George, the Carolina Silliness uh, the Roof podcast is going strong, stronger than ever. I feel like you have had some big time guests. I first want to ask you about having Joe O'Berry on and doing a live stream with him and how it felt to really be the first time you kind of breaking news to everybody yeah blew up which was kind of cool um so obviously joel made his announcement um i was speak i speak to joel quite often um he's actually yeah really really good guy his uh his daughter is due any moment um i actually have he's received my uh gift already i made sure i got him a, a Paddington Bear, the most British thing I could get possible. Um, so uh, he's got that um, for for his little girl. Uh, but no, Joel's awesome. Joel's an amazing guy. And I was messaging him a couple of months ago and he told me he's going summer league. I'm like, sweet, buzzing, can't wait. Let me know and I'll announce it. And I was talking, still nothing. There'll be announcements coming. And I messaged him and um, then obviously announced he's been picked to go to uh, Charlotte, Charlotte Hornet Summer League. And I messaged him like, bro, what, so good. Uh, I'll get it out. Um, give me a quote, etc., And we'll get it out there on the website and everything. Then he was like, mate, and he sent me his long message saying, I've decided to step away from the game. Um, but I'm so happy. I was like, at first I was gutted because this is one of my favorite players of all time who I get on really well with, have a good relationship with now. So I was excited to follow him this year. I was hoping he was going to be in a country not too far away from me so I can go hang out with him. And then he did this. But then we, we were chatting for a bit. I was like, mate, this is massive news and this is going to blow up. We need to do something. He was like, well, I can come on to the show. I was like, well, we could do an Instagram live um, and we'll announce it live and I'll build it up kind of thing so that was the plan and then so i was like i was honored that he wanted me to be involved in this life-changing announcement and then we were texting a few days before and he was supposed to announce it and then he didn't and he said i'll do it this day and then he announced and then he didn't announce he just said i'll be on an instagram live with british tar Heel tomorrow and i was like dude you haven't announced you haven't said so 
which was good because then they got people more excited for it kind of thing like that um and then we spoke about it how we can talk about it so i called it the next chapter i said this is your next chapter so then we looked at all his previous chapters and i was able to chat to him all about his career and um yeah he's i can't i can't speak hardly enough for joel um it's really quite surreal this is a guy who i looked up to one of my favorite players of all time who i've now been able to build a, a friendship with as such where we now we chat and stuff so it's um yeah he's he's a, a top top guy and it was an honor an absolute honor how does it feel to go from just huge Carolina fan that visited Chapel Hill and now to having friendships with some of these all-time great players? You talked about it in the pod. I mean, Joel Berry is the only point guard in Carolina history, point guard university, to win Final Four MVP. Like, this man is top of the top and a very special player. And now you're, you know, you're sending him gifts for his upcoming child like it's insane and it's got to be an awesome feeling it's surreal i'm my my sister always says to quote i'm living a dream and i need to remind myself of that sometimes because it is kind of mental um that i've been able to speak to so many guys um yeah it's it's i can't really explain it it's kind of it is quite surreal um in all honesty um they're just normal guys and it's quite nice i'm i'm around the same age as them as well um and i think they kind of realize that too uh this is um, a lad, same age as them. It really interested in them. So obviously the reason uh, these uh, contacts came to me is because I was writing about them on seemingasthereef.com and I was updates doing updates on them and they caught hold of it and they really appreciated all the kind words, basically what I was saying. And um, yeah, it worked great. So like Joel said, he said he wanted to do that more for me as well. Um, uh, that was the reason why he wanted me to announce it um, with him. So that would kind of help me too. And it blew up. It was the first time um, a lot of uh, different sports websites were quoting me, um, quoting Ceiling is the Roof. So that was quite cool. Um, so big time accounts doing that all around the world, um, which was pretty, pretty nice. Um, so yeah, it was, it was good. Um, yeah, it was unbelievable. So I was wondering, when you started this journey, when you started the Ceiling is the Roof podcast, where did you truly feel like it would go? Did you want to only blog? I know like we spoke at the beginning of the podcast when you were just thinking about even doing a podcast, YouTube. Um, what was the ultimate goal? And has it already surpassed that? Or do you, what was the, yeah, the beginning goal, I guess, the brainchild? I say this to you boys often in messages. Um, I messaged a lot of people um, at the start of it all. And that was when I was quite a few hundred followers. Um, and there was not, there, there wasn't many helpful people out there. I don't know what it was. You boys were so helpful. And I still use some of the tips that you gave me um, back then when I started in April, March, April time, before the podcast even started my first ever episode. Um, so, that's another reason why I'm always going to support your podcast because you supported mine before mine even kicked off. Um, so cheers for that. Um, in regards to your question, I don't know. Like I, I, I have so many ideas, um, for what the podcast can be. Um, and I am still learning as I go. Like I'm still on, it's quite, quite, uh, speaking to my partner about it today. I have a, um, 
on my website. My website is the mo like the most basic WordPress plan I've got. And I'm still getting like 10,000 people a month go to the website. If I actually spent money on it and did it that I would get even more people would come in, um, Carolina fans and everything. So this I'm actually I'm actually I've decided that I'm going to take probably three weeks off the podcast. Obviously, I do it every other week and well, it's every week, really pushing it. I'm taking three weeks just before the season starts to get a load of things planned and kind of set myself up um, for the season. Um, and I can let you boys know that off air. Um, but uh, yes, I, I see I see some really, really exciting things, which hopefully we can uh, announce soon what is going to happen um, with the show. There's still so many more people I want to chat to. There's still so many uh, players who I want to hear their stories for. My favorite thing in life, not just North Carolina, in just anybody in general, is hearing everyone's stories. Everyone has a story to tell. And my podcast has given Tar Heel players platforms to tell stories. Um, I love it. I love storytelling. So there's more Tar Heels for me to, to speak to, to get hold of. I have actually, I've got a long list of Tar Heels players who I haven't been able to record with this season, season one of the show, because I've got so many guys who have contacted me which is a really nice problem to have, um, especially when I spoke to another, like I was speaking to other podcasts before this, before I started, and they were like, oh, it's really hard to get players. You may get like one and stuff, and I've done it every episode. Um, so I'm riding a wave, as I say often, and um, yeah, it's exciting. So there's a lot of, I, I'd like to know what who people would love to hear the stories from. Who would you boys love to hear? Who would you, who do you want to hear stories from? Who would be your top guys? That's a great question. Basketball wise, I mean, just top of mind right now, I would love to get Theo Pinson on. Oh, Theo, yeah. He gets, he gets mentioned a lot. He gets mentioned a lot. I can maybe speak to Joel about that. NBA guys are really hard to get hold of. And everyone asks me all the time, like, how do you how do you speak to these guys? I'll be honest with you, I literally DM. That's it. I DM these guys, um, uh, which is kind of surreal, but they read my message. Um, I know as well that other players have told other players about my show as well, which has helped massively too. Um, so Fia would be a great one. Uh, you go. I uh, I would like to name one that's in the league and one that's not. Cool. I would say, I mean, Wayne Ellington is my favorite Carolina basketball player of all time. So, yeah, obviously, yeah. he would be a great guy. I always seem to love Carolina, did great things for Carolina. I'm trying to think of a non-NBA guy yeah. that I would just love to hear. Is Brandon Wright still in the league? No, he's not. He's uh, I think he's still playing. He's not playing overseas. Uh, he was He was coaching – uh, he did like a little summer camp this season somewhere um, for his local local high school, I think. He's still still about, um, but not playing in the league, no. I would love to hear from him just because he was only a, a one-year guy, I think. But yeah, yeah. he kind of has a – he got to play with like Young Hansborough and that group, um, but it was a top player in the country. I would love to hear like the reasoning behind leaving. Obviously, talent was a big part of it, but maybe just why and – um. Yeah, that would be an interesting guy to talk to. I'm just trying to think of people that would have crazy stories. And he's been at multiple NBA teams. So, Yeah, of course. There's so many. There's so many yeah. guys out there. Um, 
so yeah no it's it's literally going so well and i'm getting so many players who are coming onto the show and i mean like big big name players coming onto the show which is quite surreal um i'll let you guys we can do it now actually i can let you know who the next episode is going to be so obviously i've just released baden jackson's episode today as we're recording um in two weeks time i wanted to try and get some younger guys on and uh gonna have garrison brooks so garrison brooks uh is my first ncaa player uh to come onto the show and um i spoke with their like one of their staff members there and got garrison on and um i literally yeah recorded with him straight after he had one of his practices actually so uh that's gonna be the next episode which was pretty cool and obviously i got to ask him why he left and spoke to him about uh his uh yeah unc teammates and and more so that was that was good that's exciting oh we're, that's going to be an absolutely great podcast first of all garrison is a fan favorite and uh we're definitely going to have to come up with some great graphic and uh put, put we won't uh you're cool with us announcing obviously because yeah, 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 yeah of course yeah. we're definitely going to have to do something great to promote that uh because the students especially um, are going to love that at Carolina now and, and some that just graduated that were in his class. So. Yeah, any way to still hold on to Garrison Brooks in our lives, greatly appreciated too. So yeah, that's going to be, that's going to be great. So in two weeks? In, yeah, I'll be in two weeks, two weeks today, that episode comes out. Um, so I was going to do them weekly um, uh, to, to get them out and to give myself a break. But I've actually done all the editing, so I'm just going to release them fortnightly anyway. Keep it like normal, like I've done. And then I've got a big finale, um, which I am not announcing yet. But that's a big one. That's a very, very big one. So, no, it's good. But, yeah, Baden-Jackson, I know, um, Will, you were saying that you listening to it. And, honestly, that episode, he has some of the funniest stories I've ever heard at Carolina. He's he's an awesome, awesome guy, real genuine guy. And, um, yeah, it's brilliant. Can you tease one of those stories uh, for our audience to get people to listen to yes, it all? 100% I can. Okay. I, I obviously can't tell it as well as his, because this is his story. But I can give you um, what he said. And it was the greatest UNC, in my opinion, the greatest UNC prank war story of all time. And we always ask, them, I always ask the players, um, who are the biggest pranksters, et cetera, et cetera. And this was Baden-Jackson also known if people are confused, Dexter Strickland. And it was his first freshman year. And it was a prank war. He came in his freshman year with John Henson, Leslie McDonald. And they were in a dorm together. And the dorm above them was Larry Drew, Ed Davis, and Justin Watts. And they were having a prank war. And they were going back and forth, back and forth at each other. Larry Drew hated anyone having food in his car. And it was after a football game. And what happened was... He ended up, uh, someone ended up stealing the keys of Larry Drew's car, sprinting down the hill to the Dean Dome to get to the car. Apparently, I think Ed told Larry Drew they've got his keys and Baden was sprinting down with the keys. He said, like, Larry's like 50 yards behind him and all the boys, they're all running, getting to Larry Drew's car. And Larry Drew, like I said, hated people eating inside his car. So then he ended up going, they got into a car and sped off, stole his car, went to timeout, started eating and taking photos all in timeout, um, posted it all on the internet and everything. Um, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. 
That was what they did. In retaliation, what Larry Drury and Ed Davis and Justin Watts did to those boys. So they were going to their dorm. Baden, um, John and Leslie were going to their dorm. And there was like eggs and everything all on the um, eggs and crickets a little bit, like near their doorway. Like, what the heck's going on here? They open up the door and their dorm is filled with crickets. I mean, filled with crickets, eggshells all over the wall and crickets all over the wall, everywhere, in the living room, in the kitchen, in the bathroom, completely across the house. So what these boys have done is they've got crickets from the pet store and just completely obliterated their house. It gets worse. So then, after this, they first they fought, because they had a get. I think um, uh, John Henson had a bearded dragon and Dex Baden had a gecko. So they just thought, ah oh, crap, the, the crickets have got out, thought they feed them. There were so many crickets, it was definitely planted. Then he goes into his room, Baden goes into his room, and there is an awful smell, an awful smell. And he's like, I don't know what it is, don't know what it is. And he clears the crickets out, clears the eggs out, goes back, hoovers, that, hoovers everything, cleans the bed sheets, does everything. Then he goes back the next day, and the smell is still there, and he's like, what the heck's going on? Like, what is going on? Like, the, the smell's still here. He ends up bringing his girlfriend back at the time, to his bedroom and she's like babe this place stinks like it smells like shit like this is awful what is this smell and he's and he's like i don't know i don't know what it is i've cleaned i've cleaned i've cleaned got to the fourth day and the fourth day it was horrific apparently the smell would make you throw up he lifted up his bed and underneath his mattress underneath his bed there was a cup a cup of ferret shit Ed Davis, Larry Drew, literally went to the pet store, asked, what is the worst smelling thing you've got? And it was ferret poo. And they literally put that in there. Apparently it was moldy, it was all this stuff, and it was the most disgusting smell in the world. They ended up obviously getting rid of that. Baden can't remember what the prank was after that one, but um, it is the most disgusting thing apparently he's ever seen, and it was in his room. Just imagine bringing a girl back home and you've got ferret turds underneath your bed. That's never gonna work, is it? So, yeah, not good. I'm assuming, and I didn't, we didn't talk about this, but I'm assuming that girl was probably Callie Rivers as well, Doc Rivers' daughter, because obviously they dated in college as well, um, which kind of funny. I didn't ask that in the podcast, obviously. You don't really wanna talk about your ex. But um, yeah, epic prank war story. That is insane. <laughs> like that is, first of all, if you're gonna do pranks, that's what I'm talking about. Like, go on and actually do pranks. Don't do these small little pranks. Let's go all, all out and let's have a full-out war. That is great. And I love that you mentioned. Yeah, I think that would have been uh, Callie Rivers, which is Doc Rivers' daughter and Austin Rivers' sister. And Seth Curry's wife now. Yeah, and Seth Curry's wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great story. Wow. So, yeah, that was that was epic. Like, honestly, <laughs> Baden's episode was was brilliant. Um, really, really good. Um but yeah, people need to check out Ceiling is the Roof podcast. Um, CeilingTheRoof.com uh, is where, obviously, I write all about the overseas guys. So I just announced that um, Marcus Page is actually in France, um, which is pretty cool because, obviously, France is not far away from me at all. So I've, al I've already spoke to Marcus and said, hey, mate, I want to come over. Um, so I'm looking at the fixtures Um for out in France uh, already. So that would be quite nice to go uh, see Marcus play out in France. 
um, and there's different guys who I'd like to go see play um, this year if COVID allows us to travel. Um, you got Nate Britt just in Holland, which is not far from me at all. Um, there are Justin Pierce, who I speak to quite often in Germany. He's a really great lad. And then, yeah, they're the main guys who I kind of chat with. The other guys are all in Asia, and I'm not flying over there to watch a game. So, um, yeah, no, check out the website because I'm going to be updating everyone on how the guys are doing overseas, which I find really interesting. That's the whole reason why I set up the website in the first place. And let's not forget also the British Tar Heel uh, was the one that broke the news of Tyler Hansberg jumping into the um, <laughs> swimming pool. What was it? Probably about a month ago now. Yeah. Tyler is Tyler. What is it? Tyler in swimming pools. All the time. <laughs> Tyler in swimming pools. So um, yeah, he's a, he's a Carolina legend. In my opinion, he's the greatest Tar Heel of all time. I actually put a little poll out on my um, Twitter the other night to see 24 hours to see and it was really interesting i got a lot of people saying a lot of stuff and um i love i just love interacting with people about unc basketball and that was one of those and tyler hansborough did win the boat um uh and but yeah in my opinion it's tyler hansborough but what would you guys say just completely off topic greatest tire hill of all time i voted in that poll and nice. uh yeah, I voted for, and I actually, I voted for Tyler Hansborough on my main account. I actually thought about just to boost it a little bit going to the Carolina way. <laughs> for Hansborough too. Did not do it. That's how that worked then. Because I wanted real results. It wouldn't have been. One vote done. only. One vote yeah. only. Yeah. Um, Tyler Hansborough, for sure. I saw a lot of people saying Phil Ford. Um, people, Jordan, like I've never, Jordan's obviously the greatest basketball player of all time. Um, Hansborough, to me, just stats and from what I saw with my eyes, greatest Carolina basketball player of all time. Quite yeah, George, you're talking to two people that grew up, like early Tar Heel memories was of Tyler Hansborough and always beating Duke, um, National Player of the Year, championship. So that that's what we are kind of grew up on. So obviously I have to agree as well. And also agreeing that he stayed the whole time too, plays a part of that as well. and. I mean, when you talk about like his legacy, it always starts with talking about what he did at Carolina. 100%. A lot of people mentioned and messaged me about James Worthy, which I definitely have to agree. He's got to be up there as well. Um, but yeah, there's Phil Ford, Tyler Hansborough, Michael Jordan, James Worthy. I think they were fair. Someone threw in Charlie Scott, which again was fantastic uh, back in his day too. I think he's, but um, Tyler Hansborough, Psycho T for me. I'm saying greatest Tar Heel of all time. It has to be tough for Worthy, where he was obviously better than a rookie Jordan, mm -hmm. um, but but you're never going to be talked about more than Jordan. You're never – like Chapel Hill would be the only place where people mention Worthy uh, before Jordan, even though Worthy very easily probably had a better Carolina career than Jordan did. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Um, but I don't think there's anything else to update you on uh, in regards to the podcast. Um, I've got some really exciting things which I'm going to announce over the next month for the future of the show, um, where I hope everybody is going to learn about the podcast. At the moment, it gets quite a few, quite a few uh, listeners and viewers. Um, so, but I hope during the season. So I've done this whole during the off season. So what I can do during the season is. Is super exciting. So, um, 
but yeah, I'll announce that uh, over the next month, coming months, um, what the future of the show is going to be. But the podcast is here to stay through the season, and um, it's going to get bigger and better. I look forward to having you on throughout basketball season if you're free, obviously. Um, and going back to kind of what you said about reaching out to us before you even started the YouTube version, I never doubted it was going to be an absolute success because I had read your blog um, right around that time is actually when your blog went out about Coach Williams, um, and, and that really took off. But just your, just your detail in your blogs, it really – goes into your detail and asking questions and your research you do and uh, as i've said before even on the last podcast like though you can tell that it's not like just some fan or reporter even asking questions it feels like a genuine just two dudes having a conversation which is always fun to watch i appreciate that and especially when we we said you said that to me um in the last podcast episode i've always thought that way now and i try to make sure that i continue it that way and um yeah, that's kind of the style that I continue and will continue to go with because I'm just I'm a Tar Heel fan. I'm not a journalist. I'm not a beat reporter or anything like that. Um, I'm getting these announcements, etc., of these players and what they're doing. But um, I'm a fan like you guys, uh, so I'm just want to have a chat and that's like telling the stories and conversations. It'd be amazing if um, uh, Shaman Williams has a podcast called Carolina Conversations. I wish he didn't because that would have been a great name for my podcast. <laughs> but he does. It's already there. So um, that would have been nice. But that's basically exactly what it is. It's just me. It's just, it was quite nice. So Baden messaged me today and he was like, um, bro, thanks for letting me use your platform. I'm like, use my platform. Dude, you've got like hundreds of thousands of followers. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? Um, but it was, it was nice because I'm different to other podcasts. You said it best. I'm not like ESPN trying to get the headline. I'm just letting them tell their stories, letting them relive their memories. Like how you guys relive your memories when you were student section, when you were 12 years old, chatting about that. It's, ex it's exactly the same with these guys, chatting about when they were back in college and the fun things they got up to. So um, yeah, I love it. Yeah, and George, we even have more respect of what you're doing just because when we have guests on, even if it's our friends, we still you know try and prepare the best we can, but still, there's a lot that kind of goes into it. And we even know these people. We talk to them on a weekly <laughs> basis. So I couldn't imagine the prep work, even for the first episode you had to do for some of these players to make sure that they felt comfortable opening up to you like that. It's, it's difficult because obviously some of them I've only DM'd and we speak on Messenger or whatever or speak on something. Um, but I don't know what their personalities are like yet. So I have to study a lot of their interviews to try and understand some stuff. Um, and I'll ask them kind of comfortable questions at first. But my main thing is getting them laughing. That is the main thing. I, as soon as I get them laughing, I know I've got them. So I'll get them laughing about something. And um, we can then, they're proper chilled then, and we can chat about it all. So, um, yeah, that's good fun. Well, definitely listen to the Ceiling is the Roof podcast. Definitely read the blogs. Listen, I mean, he's co you're covering – all of our great, all of our favorites. I mean, you're talking about Joel Berry, Marcus Page, as you said. Um, I was a big Dexter Strickland fan. I haven't got Marcus Page on the show yet. Oh, yeah. Well, you cover his on the blog for oh, sure. Of course. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and that'll be a great episode. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but, I'll be on Instagram and Twitter. Make sure you follow him at the British Tar Hill. Yeah, at oh, the British nice. Tar Hill. For the, for the constant nice. updates. <laughs>
Yeah, it's um, yeah. Obviously, I'm trying to get all eras, and I think that's what I've tried to do. And it's been quite tough actually. So Bainin was, I think, for me, Bainin Jackson, Dexter Strickland, that was my era. That was my era. I'll show you boys. Here it is. Here, this is it. This is uh, the, I'm showing you the slam cover right now. Kendall Marshall, Housen Barnes, John Henson, Tyler Zeller, Bainin Jackson, Dexter Strickland. So that was my era. When I'm chatting to guys before 2009 team, 2005 team, it it does take a, lot, a little bit more difficult. I've got a great friend called Chandler Caldwell who I coached with at Carolina, and I message him before. Um, he is the first person who gets every inside scoop because um, uh, we literally just chat about the players and whatnot. And he's he's great. Um, one of the most knowledgeable guys of sports I've ever come across. It's actually insane. Um, we were talking about an interview. I was going to interview a player and he mentioned something to me about this player and I Googled it and it was basically wrote in a 2008 report. And I was like, dude, how can you remember an article from 2008? He's like, I've got no life. But no, he's like, he's one of my best friends. And, um, but I have to chat with him before some guys as well. So I do a lot of my research, but then there could be something he remembered as a fan, which may not have been on a news article or a previous interview. So. It does take quite a lot of um, work to go into each episode. As you boys know, for your podcast, it does in all of it. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's growing. And I've, I'm, I'm hoping it's going to grow even more during the season. I just need a lot of students to get on board as well. Well, we're going to push all of any student that's watching this. We're pushing them your way. And um, like we said, we'll continue to have you on as a guest. And mm -hmm. And as our viewers go up, hopefully your viewers go up. We know you're you're a, you're a celebrity in our eyes at this point. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, I liked your like your meme. Like, I wish people could see more of your stuff, and that's why I tried to retweet your stuff because it is genuinely hilarious. And then I was able to retweet your meme, yeah. and then it it went off, which was really nice um, <laughs> yeah. because you guys are brilliant, and people should know more about you. So very, that's why. Yeah, I'm not a celebrity. I'm literally like you guys, but I just have a few extra followers. That's literally it. Um, uh, but yes, it's growing. It's growing. So let's see what happens come the end of the season. Hopefully I've had a few episodes with you on your show by then. And um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, putting that out there. You're our you're our press release kind of guy. We're definitely, <laughs> we're definitely, once basketball season comes more around, we're definitely going to try to up that marketing and get that out there. Um, we enjoy it so much right now, um, just because we get to meet people like you. Without this, we wouldn't have ever met you. True. Um, and also heard the stories of even some of our friends. I didn't even know some of the stories that we uh, they told when they came on. So it's always fun. Nice. Yeah, this has been great. And what's what's more is that you'll be on plenty of more times in the future, so we can only continue the conversation. That sounds great to me. Thanks for coming on. It's always a pleasure. Follow him at British Tar Heel. Watch Stealing is the Roof podcast. Until next time, George, it's been an honor. Cheers, guys. Appreciate it.